This is Jan Cox, talk number 2,523, recorded May 10th, 2000. Ah, does that seem appropriate that the signal for me to commence is turning the lights out? <laughs> I mean, as opposed to turning the lights on. Uh, my written items tonight, 30 pages, concern three major subjects, verbal subjects. The illusionary self, the sensation of disappointment, and the question as to whether there is a proper protocol or sense of propriety of considering whether one should dismount a trolley that apparently either has an end of the line Or runs on to infinity. And of course, as always, all three subjects are all tied up around the same secluded maypole, wrapped right around it, intertwined. So I will read these first. All men are born on the move. The few find an invitation to mount a special horse, after which they ride off in search of that horse. <laughs> few of the few ever realize what they became involved with. But those who do holler, Yahoo, and finally dismount the horse. If you think that there is any difference between the ordinary and those awake, you could have been correct had you not thought about it. <laughs> Waking up to what life's really about is not a cure for being dissatisfied. What it gives is an understanding of the nature of your dissatisfaction. Understanding being the closest thing there is in life to a cure for anything. A poem. My stomach was uneasy, but now it's at rest. My thirst was aflame, but now it is quenched. My sex was aroused, but now it is quiet. I ached all over, but now I feel well. Where, pray tell, are my thoughts in all of this? Why, I'm right here. It's me writing this little rhyme, which, somewhat surprising, is ending up with an attack on itself. Man, that's weird even for us poetic types. End of poem. I repeat, the closest thing there is to a cure for anything in this lifetime is understanding. Your own personal understanding of how an apparent relationship came to be between the problem for which you seek a cure and your, that is, your illusionary self, and you, that is, your illusionary self, drifting dreamily amidst the thoughts in your head. Headline, even though it is all an illusion. <clears throat> Talk about self. Have a self. If that's your desire. That's how simple it is.
Talk about a self, and you got a self. When your capacity for thought is totally taken up by the automatic thoughts available to you, asleep as the mystics label it, and you are talking aloud or silently about yourself, you never have any doubt as to having a self. But if you suddenly stop and look directly into the heart of all your talk about self, there is no self to be found. Only the words about self. Nothing but the words. Talk about self, have a self. If such is your satisfaction. But wait, why not be as blunt and direct about this as is verbally possible? Only he can believe he's in charge of his life who does not look into the matter. As regards the idea of being awake and wanting to being asleep and wanting to awaken, one man offers his personal view, quote, I have this one thought that dislikes the way my thoughts automatically run, and whenever I have this thought, I dislike the way my thoughts automatically run. But the rest of the time when my thoughts are automatically running, it doesn't bother me because <clears throat> I don't even notice it. After he had been off the horse for a while, one man said to himself, I am not my apparent self, and I am no longer my original self. I am now what my thoughts say that I am, and what they say that I am is dictated by what I originally was. What a grand and encompassing affair. Perhaps my home can finally come pigeons to roost. I didn't know if anyone would recognize the name of that ditty. Part of the original dissatisfaction of the few is in their relations and is in their realization that the thoughts they have about life do not match life's reality. And while this disparity is sometimes noted by the ordinary, it is passed off as isolated examples of irony. However, the keen of eye quickly come to see Instead, that such is the general nature of the lives routinely, lives of the lives routine men live. Ergo, you could say then that being asleep is in accepting the common ideas men have that describe the nature of life in themselves, but which do not match the reality of it all. Even grown-ups find it fun to play pretend. Though the few, when they catch themselves doing so, find it highly annoying. Ergo, too. Then from that view, you could say that an awakened man is he who, in private, is a refined, literal-minded stick in the mud. What the ordinary do not recognize and what unwittingly bothers the half-awake is that men share the same available limited thoughts. They take some in, they put some out. Same as they inhale, then exhale the same available air. Does knowing what's going on take you out of this network? Realizing the situation for what it inalterably is does have that constructive result. Except, of course, should you momentarily take back in some of the available thoughts floating around.
To make any comment on the nature of your self is to reveal that you have no understanding of the matter. As with all other creatures, perhaps man's most useful talent is in being able to act by unthinking instinct. And for the few, this is also the bane of their existence, or so they say. Does anyone understand what's going on here? Does anyone realize that any criticism made of the attempt to wake up is justified? When you understand why this is so, an understanding of what waking up is is not far behind. The question was, do you understand that any criticism you can make about the seeking for enlightenment, the struggle to awaken, that any criticism made of it is justified? Any. That was an any with a gesture. <laughs> One and a half hands. Back to the reading. Few of the few will ever go beyond a study of the scriptures, i.e. schools, methods, disciplines to awaken, and go on to a study of what is behind their readiness to study scriptures. What is more profitable than sitting at the knee of some enlightened master asking him questions? What is more profitable than that is sitting by yourself at home asking yourself, what is going on with dreams I have of sitting at some other human's knee and hearing words about a thing called enlightenment? To ever finally get to the actual bottom of things, you must get to the bottom of what it is that wants to get to the bottom of things. There are no actual schools or systems that will produce awakening. They can be used to get a man started, but if pursued too long without ever realizing what's going on, instead of producing freedom, they result in a tied goat staying tied. <laughs> he who wants to awaken thinks there is nothing greater than awakening, but amidst everything you do, there is, unnoticed, something always there that is greater even than awakening. The realization of what's going on. The way by which ordinary people are able to tolerate their ordinary state of mind goes like this. If you stay out of town, most of the time, you finally forget that you are out of town. If you're going to drink, go for blotto. <laughs> When one man reached a certain stage in his lengthy pursuit of this matter, he noticed that his fingerprints were beginning to fade away. If there is one universal law, it is habit. Reality is perceived of by humans as constructed of and totally dependent on habit. Only when things are going in their normal, habitual fashion do mortals consider life to be normal. When temporary deviations therefrom appear, men feel that circumstances have become unreal. People are healthy and physically satisfied when habit within, their, within them prevails. What disturbs the few is that no exception is made for thoughts. Life depends on habit, and ill-placed displeasure therewith only creates unnecessary agitation. A mind that knows what's going on is like an experienced beach, no longer disturbed by the endless mechanical pounding it must take by the waves about which it can do nothing. 
in that it is the natural situation between beaches and waves. A relentless pounding, eh? <laughs> Somebody's getting a bit theatrical. Or are they? Back to the reading. It's not out of order to commence this activity with the thought and feeling, quote, I don't like where I am internally. As long as you eventually recognize that where you are internally is the only place there is, and that the voice saying I in the sentence I don't like it is the very thing that is unwittingly claiming it doesn't like. The only thing a man wanting enlightenment is involved with is a dissatisfaction with the inherent mechanicalness of thought. The hunger for awakening is a struggle against nature. One man said, the problem with getting old is that you start to look old. And another guy thought, well, at least there's one advantage that being asleep has over aging. There are no dramatic cues on this page that give me any hint as to whether the man was being humorous. What do you think? But the trouble with be getting old is you start to look old. Another guy thought, well, at least that's one advantage that being asleep has over aging. I still don't know. You think, was he being smart-ass? Was it wishful thinking? So I thought everyone or some of you would suddenly jump up and rush to the restroom, the bathroom, <laughs> and look in the mirror to see whether it was showing. At least I've never pulled that one on you. I've never asked or suggested that's a good hobby to periodically, or maybe the first thing every morning, is go look in the mirror. And it doesn't count if you ordinarily do anyway. But to go into the mirror for one purpose, go to the mirror and look, and to see if you look to you that you're any more asleep than you were yesterday. Now, at least I have never done that to you. I have never suggested you do it, and I'm not now. I just wanted to point out to say I don't tell you everything that I could. Back to the reading. Mentally, everyone is in a whirlpool. Those who undertake to awaken unwittingly attempt to swim in a whirlpool. The ultimate question for them is this. In which direction are you now attempting to swim? In a whirlpool. In the beginning, it is noble to struggle against that which should be struggled against. But eventually, it clearly becomes folly to pursue struggle that has proven to be useless. Toe note. <laughs> Only a man who has gotten to the bottom of things knows what is useless. To the listeners, the speaker said, Not only is he a fool who will not quit when he is ahead, but how about he who will not quit even after he realizes that there is no more ahead, ahead. Not only is he a fool, my friends, he is also me. End of his comment. Headline, the illusion of self as regards jokes and other matters. 
The appeal of humor is in the voice that delivers the punchline, saying that which is con- contradictory to the expectations of the self of the listener. This is also involved in the schools for enlightenment who promote the idea of spontaneity. Mental responses outside the confines of one's normal self. Another difference between a regular mystic and a real one is that the regular kind want to sit in a quiet, motionless position and calm their mind so they can wake up. While a real mystic also wants to awaken, but he wants to be able to do it while on the run. Headline everything you ever need to know regarding paths to enlightenment. There's only one school for enlightenment. Your own thoughts. Headline, don't you see? Since everyone is continually deceiving themselves, it wouldn't do you any good if you actually had a self. Don't you see? All right, then. Since man does not have a self, he cannot, ergo, be deceiving himself. Hmm. But something funny is going on. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, then. His thoughts are deceiving him. Hmm. No, that still would require the presence of a self. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, how about this? Thoughts are deceiving themselves. Yeah, yeah, that'll work, won't it? No, something's still not right here. Hmm. All right, I think we should just stick with the first shot we took and say that everyone deceives himself, which is pretty weird, is a pretty weird deal, seeing as how no one even has a self. Okay, even as open-eyed and dangling as that is, I guess we're best off just leaving it there. And so concludes another chapter in our hard-hitting series, don't you see? Just I never get back around to it. I want to reread it one more time, at least for my pleasure. Since everyone is continually deceiving themselves, which we've been through before, and it should be obvious to you, that everyone is continually engaged in self-deception. If that be true, then it wouldn't do you any good if you had a self anyway. Which I'm saying you don't, but even if you did. You can't say that you'd be in any way in a better position. Just one feller's view. Back to the reading. A speaker said to a certain <clears throat> select audience, When I say that it concerns the few that there is a difference between being satisfied and being content, I am not merely playing with words. But, of course, me saying this could be an example of me playing with words. Or I could be serious when I say it and not realize myself that I'm still playing with words. Of course, it's all just playing with words, since that's all you can do with words. When you wake up, you understand what's going on, but can't hold it. When you get to the bottom of things, you realize what can't be understood, and you are able to maintain it. Or, you could say, an enlightened man realizes what's going on, while a really enlightened man realizes that no one knows what's going on. Or, it might be put like this. A liberated man is free of the things that bother everyone else. But a truly liberated man 
doesn't know whether he is free or not. First, you don't know. Then you know. But beyond that is the real payoff. Stage one. I won't be satisfied until I know. Stage two. Now I know, but I won't be satisfied until I can remember what I know every single second and never forget it even for a moment. Stage three. Uh, now what were those first two? If you didn't think that your thoughts were you're asleep. I wish I'd just again one man's opinion. I wish I'd quit writing about that. Don't you? I sat right there, wrote it from my own brain, my own understanding, typed it with my own two fingers, read it myself. If you, don't, if you didn't think that your thoughts are you, you wouldn't think that you're asleep. You know, there's this possibility that that just sounds clever and doesn't actually mean shit. There's always that possibility. <laughs> Back to the reading. After becoming interested in the idea of awakening, enlightenment, liberation, and the like, one man versed himself in all of the respected historical means that others have claimed to have used to achieve the goal. And after trying them all with little to show for it, he took a new position whereby he assumed that everything ever said about it and every method ever employed was wrong, perhaps even diametrically opposed to the proper approach and correct thinking about the matter, and proceeded from there. Worthy lines of investigation in your attempt to get to the bottom of things would be, for instance, to ask yourself, what goes on in my head as I watch a movie? What goes on in my head as I read a book? What goes on in my head as I converse with another? What goes on in my head as I quietly sit alone? And finally, the big one. What goes on in my head as I ask myself such questions as these? <laughs> when a man is in that extraordinary enlightened state, he understands everything in that all questions are gone from his mind. But when his enlightenment has matured, he comes face to face with the unexpected. He is asked to accept the fact that the very matter always of most interest to him can never be understood. It is at this point, in my opinion, that there appears a new breed of mystics. The conditions are right for such an appearance of this new type of mystic. The diehard. Or if you prefer, the hardhead. In the beginning, all success comes from your awareness of your inclination to drift away and fall asleep. The final refinement of your success will come from your awareness of your habitual attempts to do and to understand the impossible. 
Achieving understanding is certainly our goal, but beyond that is an even greater achievement of recognizing that there is one thing that will never, ever be understood. This is what you find at the bottom of the secret, at the bottom of your mind. It is difficult indeed to undertake the great struggle, more difficult still to ever let go the useless part. I didn't bring it again tonight, uh, but from, I guess it was time before last, there was a news item that I'd already thrown into the batch that was leading up to this. Uh, the basis of it was, I'm not going to try to quote it, was long and entangled, but I just introduced this subject in the midst of a batch of writings. that said awakening, enlightenment, is not really a cure for being dissatisfied. And then I pointed out that when a man has solidified his enlightenment, when he's gone beyond the mere conditions, it becomes a matter not of being satisfied, but of being content, even should the state be one, from their own, the state continued to be one, of something less than real satisfaction. And I didn't make any comment, and it may not even strike you as being very noteworthy, but that was the introduction of it. And tonight, if you notice, I brought it up several times. And... I could have done this myself. I let a man in a, one of my writings here toward the end of it, but I started to do it myself when I was going to commence speaking about the matter of being dissatisfied or being satisfied as opposed to being content. And I was thought myself that I would first point out to you that even though the words probably are synonymous somewhere down in a thesaurus, that they finally reached the level of synonymity, that I meant them in two different ways that I intend to point out that there is a difference as applies to this sort of activity between being satisfied and being content. And then I was going to say, and let, by the way, let me tell you in advance, I'm not merely playing with words. But of course, me just saying that to you right then could be just me playing with words. Or I could believe that I am sincere and not playing with words and not realize myself that in spite of myself, that I'm playing with words. But then you're supposed to realize by now that it's all playing with words. That's the only thing you can do with words. So what's the whole point of cautioning and saying, well, now listen, I'm not just playing with words. Sure you are. <laughs> yeah, but I don't intend to be. Well, okay, if you say so, but you're still playing with words. That is not at all satisfying. Well, shut my mouth. <laughs> what are we talking about here? I would assume that it would be a safe statement that if we caught everybody, if we could go back in history and do it contemporaneously, and we found everyone right at the moment when they became entangled, involved with, I don't mean it in a negative sense, but became involved with the struggle to awaken, and you ask them, What's 
what do you expect out of this? And if you get them to abandon whatever words they'd immediately adopted, such as, well, I want to awaken, if I say, well, what you want is to be satisfied, you're not satisfied. Something in you is not satisfied, and it has, as far as you can tell, uh, from your own experience, what's going on in life does not satisfy a certain dissatisfaction in you. And a person will say, yeah. In other words, other people, if you've tried to discuss it with them, they probably tried to direct you back to religion or to something. Yes, they did. But you have not found anything that will quell this dissatisfaction. No, I haven't. So we'll assume that you now think that you have taken it as your goal to achieve enlightenment of you, to wake up, and they go, yes. And I say, so you believe that the, the actual goal is a personal, and probably extraordinary, but a personal goal of satisfaction, being satisfied. And people would say yes. Well, it has come to my personal attention that merely waking up, merely knowing what's going on, merely knowing the secret. This is, I'm going to have to say this is my view, which is just my experience, but I have other things to rely on does not produce necessarily satisfaction. That, oh, well, okay, that's it. Now I got it. I am aware of the fact I can read it. I can read between the lines, if you insist, that uh, there have been people, and I would say that they are uh, easily the majority of those who have written their history of their involvement in this, sort of activity express feelings otherwise that is they say that I don't I can't think of anyone who has put it in these words but that it was that awakening realizing what's going on this is one person talking somewhere in history so oftentimes quite well known figures that they say well once you've once you've achieved enlightenment once you've had your enlightenment then you're no longer you're satisfied. And then they'll ramble on about all the ways you're satisfied, whereas if you used to be greedy or not, now greedy, and such as that, by the way, is always a dead giveaway. And they refer that I am now satisfied, and they refer back to behavioral matters, back to interpersonal relationships, relationships with other people, that that, that was their the source of their dissatisfaction and now they no longer care that much of what people say about them or they no longer are that greedy or they're no longer that concerned about being well known. But at any rate, you would think, would you not, that that would be the minimal expectation of anyone that realizing what's going on or achieving your own enlightenment Sing the secret. Whatever I know, I've used so many words, I always try to round them all up so that you don't think that I'm changing the end result or the end game. But to achieve your own enlightenment, the one or two or most people, the one will do it. Ah! That all the stories, all your imagination, at least all the stories you read, I don't know what your imagination was, but all the stories you read that... An enlightened man simply sees what's going on for the first time in his life. 
that he just sees himself and he sees ordinary life, no efforts involved, no analyzation. He just suddenly realizes for the first time in his life the nature of life. You would think that that would be the, that the minimal result of that would be complete satisfaction. That after that, I do not find that to be true. As I said, I have more to go on than just me. But I do not. I'll say it's my view. I'll say it's my experience. It does not. There is, and that's why I had to come up with the uh, contrasting word of content. And I mixed it up in here. I don't know why I'll unmix it in the next 20 minutes. I've always said, or of late, whether you took it this way or not, that you know you can understand the secret and you know everything. And then I apply it. I can't use a resist point out that you don't actually know anything, etc. But you no longer have any questions. You see life for what it is, and you there's nothing to say about it. If you say anything about it, then you've partially blinded yourself. You've locked yourself back into a partial dream. But from another quite real view. Really. There are things you can understand, which I'm inclined to say is everything. But for the first time in words tonight, whether you call it or not, I put it to you this way. Because it's time, I feel like, for me to at least introduce it in words and you find it out for yourself. There is one thing that you cannot understand. As far as I'm concerned. And I'm... I feel confident about this. I'm not repeating from anybody else, and it's certainly from my experience and my understanding. But uh, believe me, I don't think this is in any way, I do not think at all this is contingent, that this may change. Tr trust me, I don't. There is one thing that you cannot understand. And you people, I assume, you know, I don't mean some kind of low-end, tootsie-roll form, you know, like God or, you know, the nature of truth and error. I'm not talking about those kind of cheap shots. That kind of stuff is easy to understand. There is one thing that you can understand. And that's what brought up to me to, to give the introduction I did of my tonight. And what little writing I did about it, it brings up to me the question, is there a proper time? Does it change from person to person? Is there an absolute? Is there an absolute protocol as to when a man should realize there's one thing he'll never understand? Can he be helped to understand that? Should he be helped to understand it? Should he be told about it? Which I've already told you there is something. But then is there a proper fashion? Is there an acceptable or suitable custom after that as to whether or not a man should abandon it? 
How should he fall into my, at least my own made-up new breed of, or new category of mystics, the diehard? I have a strange sensation that I may not, to most of your ears, manage to put this in any sensible form over the last 15 minutes. Uh, there's nothing I can come out and directly say is why I seem to, if, it, if to you I seem to be hemming and hawing. To me I seem to be hemming and hawing. But I know why. Because I can't come out and tell you this directly. Either I can or I'm not. And I don't know which. It is possible, and for me to say this with a straight face, just between me and you, it's possible to understand everything. That there is no question, no question about anything. And yet that is not true. Because there is one thing that, again, as far as I'm concerned, and I stand by this, there's one thing that you can't understand. And I can't, I can't imagine anybody at all guessing, imagining. And I bring it up because, based on my own experience, I have serious doubt that any of you, or that it's iffy that if you'll ever stumble on it. And if you don't realize it, you can keep riding this trolley, you can keep riding this special horse that all of us few mount. And you ride off in search of the horse. And may I say, again, this in no wise, any sort of warning or caution. It's just a fact. That you can be, you can achieve enlightenment that would please the ancient ones and not be satisfied but I should think it would be incumbent if not comfortable for someone so involved to at least realize why they are not satisfied that they are pursuing an understanding when they've got all the understanding that you can have that is possibly that is humanly possible. I could be playing with words. I'm not sure. I don't know that any of you will ever get to the point that this is of any practical use because you would have to be really internally quite passionate and still caught up in this or even more so than when you started or when I first met you. Because you can understand everything. There's not any question left. No question whatsoever, no concern, no fear, no, no fear that you've overlooked something. Just you have to take my word for it. It's like the whole universe has been wiped out as far as any question. And it doesn't have anything to do with intelligence. And again, I say it doesn't really have anything to do with knowledge because you don't really know anything. Or the cheap version of that is to say you don't know anything, but at least being awake, you know this. You know that nobody knows anything. And all the sleepers of the world, that is the other six billion people, not one human knows that. And I keep saying six billion, they're exempting the mystics. I don't know how many so-called mystics really understand that. 
I know that some have noted it in the past, but I don't know how many people on this planet that's ever achieved, that's ever had those experiences of being enlightened. And at least at one time, had no questions that they were awake. They were enlightened for a period of hours or days. And there's no way to, for me to make blanket statements about every human that's ever had the experience. But let's just say that it's very... Given ordinary conditions, even for someone involved with this, let's say that it's impossible for them to completely retreat, for them to completely forget. But I'm not sure how many of those ever realize that there is one thing that they're chasing that is futile, and that they ever realize it. That may be why, as I point out from my view, my understanding of why so many of even the world famous, the better known, those who left the most detailed records and they're still studied, why I can see that they obviously stopped. And if they stopped before the trolley actually got to the end of the line, if it has one, and if it doesn't, they still stopped thinking that they were at the end of the line. And they were not. Even if this doesn't sound to be of any practical value, it is. If you're just trying to remember, if you can make any sense of what I've said, that whatever you're trying to do, whatever your current activity is, or whatever most commonly pops into your thoughts about what this is and what you're doing in particular, is to remember I'm telling you. There's one thing that you cannot understand. I don't like saying that. Said it to you. I never wrote it down on paper until this afternoon. But it's a fact. And it's kind of funny. It is this unknowable that drives this whole affair from beginning to end. Except in the beginning, you can apparently make such progress. You can apparently make a lifetime of progress. That if you're involved with this for 50 years, on your deathbed, you can feel as though. You can sincerely, rationally, in the ordinary sense of the word, feel as though you have made 50 years of incremental progress. That you have 50 years of accumulation of deeper insight, more understanding, less self-deception, less illusions of life. And all of that, I will not naysay. And yet you never really understand that what drove it from the beginning to the end is the fact that there's one thing that no man can understand. And I repeat, it is not any of the god-awful things listed in the preface of te philosophical textbooks, like the great burning questions, where do we go after we die? Or is there life after death? Is there God? Pshaw. Uh-uh. None of that. There is only one thing that you can't know And it still drives me to a good time. Yeah. At least consider it. Think about it. Just think about the idea that I'm telling you that it drives. It's the beginning of all this. And I'm not sure that anybody or very few people ever realize it. That you can understand everything. You can. 
I'll go ahead and put it in the first person since you know I don't take it personally. There's no way I can fathom, and it's, it's beyond any comprehension possible to the human brain, that there's anyone who understands more than I do. For better or worse. Except, there's one thing I do not understand. And I, just, and I realize that it can't be understood. And I personally have not given up. Which is not the right term for it. I have not stopped. I have not quit. But I am not here, if you notice, to either speak in favor of that or express disapproval. Because I don't know which to do. But I know what's proper, and I know it's proper to realize what you're doing, what you're up against. Again, this is no, in no wise a discouragement because you've got to struggle against what it is possible to struggle against. That's all you can do. But I'm saying that the day at least should come that you realize what is useless if there is a useless part of it in the struggle. Then the trick is you've got to be damn well awake to know what's useless and what's not, to recognize it. Or else you'll just be involved in routine self-deception. That you get to something you don't like or something that's always annoyed you, and you think, well, I bet that's part of Maybe that's the thing you'll never understand. Maybe That's right, I should just quit struggling against that. I should quit looking at it. I should, I should not let it bother me. You should let everything bother you until it reaches the point that nothing actually bothers you and then you know what I mean by content. You're not satisfied, but you're content. You're content with not even being fully, completely satisfied. And I would suggest that it takes a while. You become accustomed to being content with being less than satisfied. Well, there's nothing I don't understand and I'm still not satisfied. And finally, you just get used to that. But I'm saying there's no sense in doing that. I'm saying that you should be aware of the fact, as I'm presenting it, this kind of model now, of the source of the original dissatisfaction and the one that you can still experience while understanding everything. That that dissatisfaction is based on the fact that there is one thing that no one can understand. It cannot be done. And it could not be a more simple affair. It's not like saying that there's one thing no human can ever understand, and that is what the edges, the outer perimeters of the universe looks like. Because that sounds so far away and blah, blah, blah. No, this is right up close. It couldn't be simpler. It's not complex. But there is one thing that is not possible to understand. And that's what's at the bottom of everything. And every time you look off and think about anything, especially this, you're living proof of it. Well, not just living proof that there's one thing that you can't understand, but it's living proof that you don't realize it. And I say it's almost impossible to realize. Remember, that's two different things. I'm saying there's one thing it's impossible to ever understand. 
And I'm saying it's almost impossible to ever realize that. Well, I had great hopes for it. But if we went by my record of my great hopes paying off, we'd all be in pitiful shape. That's why it's good for realizing what's going on as soon as possible. Because then you can replace hopes with that. Would you consider it? Would you just chew on it? And consider the fact that I'm telling you, between you and me, take for what it's worth. That I say that no matter how awake you are, no matter that you can understand everything, that there's nothing left, there's no question about anything. So you can call it anything you want to. That you can be awake and enlightened, but I'm telling you, and I stand by it. I am sure of this. No matter how awake, how enlightened, how liberated you are, there is one thing that you cannot and will not ever understand. And you do know, you got a general idea of what I'm talking about. It's in your head. It's not out in the cosmos anywhere. It's in you, and it is one specific thing. It's not vague. Well, it is. Well, it is and it isn't. It's like self. Everybody thinks they've got a self. Until you stop and look at it, and it's not there. Or you can't. Well, you feel, you can still feel like, well, it's there. I was just, because it's me, it's that self even right now looking for itself. I mean, so it's there, but it's just, it's hard to explain. Or you, you can even get caught up in someone saying, well, if you look for it, you can't find it. And you can try that and you think, well, you're right. But then, a moment later, you can go, well, that's not completely right because there was some kind of self in me right then that agreed that, you were right that I couldn't hardly find a self that wasn't there. So, it's all fishy. Seems like a whirlpool that runs this way and then that way. The waves come in, the waves go out. The street's one way one minute, and there's a one-way street the next minute. You think, well, yeah. And then you think, no. Well, there's one thing you can't understand. There's one thing that nobody can understand. It's not possible to understand it. And it's at the very heart, it's the beginning, and as far as I can tell, it's the end of this. And I say the end of this on the basis that you can't understand that, so I don't know how, if there's anything beyond it, you can't know it. But there's one thing that you cannot understand. And I said it simple and direct, but I couldn't tell you because if I started telling you, you'd go, oh, and it'd be like looking for yourself. You'd think, well, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I see what you... No. Well, yeah, all right. Well, describe it again. If I describe it, you go, well... Oh, well, yeah, yeah. You know, not you... Well... No. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. God, you're right. You could never... Well... That's it. I guess we'd better mark this tape. Don't bother to sell it or... <laughs> We do offer money-back guarantees, don't we? <laughs> if we do. <laughs> Try one more time. I'm so dissatisfied to leave it like this. But evidently, I'm going to have to learn to be content with that dissatisfaction. <laughs> what if, since by you showing up, 
and listening, that you must, by now, think that I understand more than you do, and more than, at any rate, that it might be worthwhile to consider what I'm saying. As I'm telling you, there's one thing, and it's, it's tricky, the whole thing. I don't, this doesn't mean anything, but I'm going to say it, I've already, I don't like this. It's annoyed me. Uh, I've sort of become used to it over a period. It's, it's been a while since. And I've talked about it kind of back and forth. You know, in the last six months, I even told you that I kept attempting to do that, which I decided was not possible for the mind to understand itself. And I still couldn't say it was possible, but I could no longer say it was impossible. So I've been talking about such as that, but to come out and to say it like I did tonight, I didn't want to say it. I've refrained from saying it simply, that is, that there's one thing that you cannot understand. Of course, you understand by me saying that. I'm saying there's one thing I don't understand, except it's not personal. That is, it's not unique to me. I now see that there's one thing that you cannot understand. You cannot understand it. And it is at the heart of what this is, except nobody calls it that. And I understand why, because if I told you, you couldn't call it that. And if you did, then you wouldn't understand it. Because if you can come up with a reason, if you could come up, I've tried this myself. If I could come up with, I should throw it on you. If, you, if I could tell you, point generally what I'm talking about, and if you could look at it, think about yourself, and you could come up with what you found to be a, an acceptable explanation of what I'm talking about. When I say there's one thing that you... That, You'll never understand. You cannot understand it. It's not possible. Then if I gave you some better idea verbally what it was, and then you went off and thought about it, and you could come up to you, once you thought you had an idea of what I was talking about, and you came up with what you considered, or to you, just personally, was an acceptable <clears throat> description of it, and that seemed to be helpful, that seemed to be instructive. If you did, you would have... Put a barrier between you and it, literally. That's how impossible it is, because if you try and do it, and even think, well, I've almost got it, trust me. I can start coming for the allegories. It's like you tried to grab it. You thought, well, I've almost got it. i tell you this. You can even know what it is, like I do. And it's like you're going to grab it, and you go, all right, it's not that elusive. It's not, and you can try and grab it, and even if you... If you do feel like you grabbed it, trust me, here's the allegory. It's behind you. As soon as you grabbed it and you feel like, I got it, it is behind you. It's on the other side of you. And you're staying there feeling like you've got it. That's what's not possible. That's what you cannot, that's what I'm talking about, that you cannot understand it. I've just never heard anybody try to use it as any sort of teaching method. I can't imagine. Well, I just felt compelled to point it out to you in case I never see you again. Figure of speech. But even if you don't use it for another 10 years, at least you can't say I never did tell you. Because the reason I'm telling you is I finally thought, well, that would have been interesting to me. If, I, if I'd had a me, if there was somebody that I could have gone to like me. And if 10 years ago, let's say, if they could have told me this in such a way that made an impression, that I really, they insisted, just consider what I'm saying. 
if somebody told me that 10 years ago, uh, of course, I'm just guessing, and I'm saying that I would, to me, looking in retrospect, that could have been extremely useful. It could have been more than that, but I don't get carried away. In other words, I wish somebody I'd have had of me that could have impressed it on me, and at least I had been seriously considering that there is one thing. And if the guy had treated me like, you know, you're sharp, you're the best guy I've ever tried to talk to, and you understand as well as anybody what I'm talking about, but I'm going to tell you what, and me listening, you know, if it was my one source, that would, and he'd say, listen, there is one thing that a man, even us, an awakened man, it doesn't matter who, there's one thing that you and me, there's one thing that you cannot understand. You will never understand it. And just keep that in mind right now. Just let it, let it bubble around. Just plant it down in your memory. And that I said that was a potentially extremely important fact. Just guessing in retrospect. But I, I believe that could have been highly beneficial. That's why I say it to you now. It's in no wise negative. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have thought 10 years ago. I would have thought, you know, God, that's, it would have, it would have really upset me. Because even 10 years ago, I would have thought, well, there's nothing I don't really understand. It's just, I keep plugging along. I don't really know why. I'm just not satisfied. I keep doing it. And if then, somebody, if I'd have had a million, he'd said, Maybe we're even discussing that. But I was still not satisfied and still plugging at it and trying to do something and thinking, well, I'm not completely awake, but what the hell else is there? I don't have any question left. What the hell do I keep doing? Why am I still kicking myself around? Still not satisfied. And if, and if somebody like me, if I'd have had a me, and he'd said, listen, there's one thing that you will never understand. One that's very simple, but you will not understand. I can't even tell you what it is. So because in a sense, he couldn't have told me what it is because he didn't really understand it. See, and that's when it gets, that's when it really makes you get fish-eyed. So because I'm telling you about it, and I'm tempted to say, of course, I have one reason I can't tell you exactly what it is, is because I don't understand it. And that's not exactly true. It's an area, trust me. If you think... And of course, 40 years ago, they were thinking that the subatomic world of quarks was weird, and now they found sub-quark worlds that they claim are extremely weird. Now, I'm sure somebody's already thought about this, so I'm not trying to steal it. Uh, but I'm telling you, on my own, of late, thinking about such as this and how to bring it up, I don't know where this helps, but it finally comes to mind. I mentioned it the other night. Picture this. Physically. And this is not a trick, and you don't have to be a scientist, and I'm not worried about the latest string theories or super string or whatever. I'm just physically what you know of reality. You can keep cutting everything. You can cut it in some smaller piece. You can cut a piece off of it. Right? Now, this is one of those things I don't know how to explain it to you. I'm either any explanation or description I give is not it. The picture what I'm saying is there's one thing you'll never understand that no one will ever understand, cannot be understood. What's going on? What would happen? Where's this going to imagine? Just picture physically, you keep cutting the smallest thing, you get down to some point, 
Now, doesn't everything in you, you don't have to be a scientist, tell you, you have finally get to a point that you can't cut. You're down to the point that you can't cut one more piece off of whatever you've got. I don't know what to tell you. Let's describe it. And you don't have to know anything about subatomic physics or what they're doing and any mathematical explanation or how it jumps into an 11th dimension. I'm just saying, in your head, picture. Reality as you know it. You can keep cutting things into smaller and smaller, and yet there has... I'll go ahead and put it this way. This is not the way. But is there not finally a, a point that you've got down to something... And you can't cut anything else off. But then as soon as you said that, you can't picture that. It can't be true. You can't cut something until it disappears. The act of cutting, dividing something, can't make that which is a something disappear just because you cut another piece off. You don't finally cut the last piece. See, because if you cut off the last piece, there's still that piece left that you cut it from. So you can't finally cut the last piece. Does anybody think I've changed the subject? There is one thing that you cannot understand, and it drives all of this from beginning to end, and it took me near the end, figuratively speaking. I don't, I'm not planning to cash out tonight, but it took me all this way. Truly, you just can't. I just never want to say it, but I want to say it now four or five times and get it over with. You just can't. You just can't. There. They always told me that confession is not good for the soul. It was me that told me that. But I'll be very disappointed theoretically if that doesn't stir some of you up. Because that would have, guessing in retrospect, that would have put me over the edge or set me on fire. To have no more questions, to believe, or I understood I haven't really understood anything new in the last 10 years, just to pick out a figure. But I've never been satisfied, which well, is very disturbing. Just intellectually to think, well, I understand everything, but I'm not satisfied. So then you think, well, there's only one answer to that, and that is you don't understand everything because or you wouldn't be dissatisfied. I mean, it just shows... And I consider that, and I go, well, it's not true. And so there I am, just in the privacy of my own head. You know, there's something you don't understand, or you'd be completely satisfied. Okay. No, there's not. This seemed like a quirk, an anomaly. I'm going to tell you what. Being human and thinking is a quirk. <laughs> That's the anomalistic behavior to some of us. Everybody, the other people, the six billion, go, so what? As well they should. They, they don't even have any pretensions of understanding it. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com, where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest, or just leave us a message.